Be sure to make note of our upcoming events. Sunday, May 23rd is graduation Sunday. Email admin at weareconverged.com to let us know if you or someone in your family is graduating so we can celebrate with you. Sunday, May 30th is Memorial Day weekend. We will be giving special honor to our fallen service members. In the month of June, we will resume in-person gatherings at Preston Trail Community Church at the McKinney campus. It's located at 1611 Wilmoth Road in McKinney. We'll be meeting Saturdays at 5 p.m. No RSVP is required. On Saturday, June 5th, we will hold communion and a new sermon series will begin. Saturday, June 19th is Father's Day and baby dedications. Please email admin at weareconverged.com if you plan to dedicate your little one during our baby dedication ceremony. Be sure to visit our e-store to purchase your Converge summer merch while supplies last. You can make these purchases at store.weareconverged.com. Follow, subscribe, and share us on social at We Are Converge. Make sure to select the notification button so you can get updates whenever we add new content to our social media platforms. Happy Mother's Day to every mother out there, every lady. You are special. Man, you are so special. You're so special that we're taking it back for you. We're going to kick it old school this morning with some can't nobody do you like Jesus because I know there's a grandma out there that has been praying for me and that has been praying for you and everybody in this. Joe, y'all ready?
Jesus, can't nobody do you like the Lord? To all the moms, moms of children who are still at home or all grown up, moms who've outlived a son or daughter, or moms of babies they never got to hold. Moms who've raised kids all on their own or became a mom to someone who needed one. Moms of children who have wandered from God or the longing to be moms who are still waiting. God perfectly arranged each of you into the role you have today. His word recognizes you as capable, strong, and praiseworthy. Everything you do makes our lives more beautiful. Happy Mother's Day. Happy Mother's Day, Converge Nation, and I would like to wish my very own mother, Georgia DeLois, a very special Mother's Day. Ma, you have just been an amazing mother, and I hope that through my life, through Sydney's life, through Nia and Levi, you can see what an amazing influence you've been, and I hope you know how much we love you. I honor you. I thank God for your life. I thank God for your strength. I thank God for your health. And I speak blessing on you today, Granny Gigi, that the Lord would continue to bless you and keep you, that he would make his face shine upon you, that you would know that you are loved, that you would continue to be healthy, you would be strong, and you would see your children's children's children. I love you, Ma. Happy Mother's Day. Well, to the rest of you, happy Mother's Day again. Thank you so much for joining us here at Converge Online. We know that you have so many choices, but because you decided to stop by here today, we don't take that for granted. If this is your first time tuning in, good morning. I am Pastor Wendy Harmon. My husband, Pastor Ray Harmon, is the lead pastor to Converge Church, and we are just so honored to have you with us this morning. Well, if you saw the title to my Mother's Day message, it is Don't Feed the Monsters. And some of you could be thinking, what, where is she coming from? Well, first off, let me clarify, I am not calling your children monsters, not in the least little bit. Don't Feed the Monsters is actually a classroom management um, workshop that I developed probably around 2007, 2008. So I'm gonna give you some background information before we get into our message. So my degree is in elementary education. And before I was in full-time ministry, I was a school teacher. I taught school for about 12 years. 
After my tenure as a teacher, I went into full-time ministry. And so I was hired as a children's pastor at a, a local church. That particular church also had a preschool. And so one day there was one particular student in one particular four-year-old classroom who was giving his teachers the business. If you know what I mean, you know what I mean. So the preschool director, knowing that I had previously been a teacher, she came to me and she said, Wendy, could you come down and just kind of, you know, peek in on this classroom and can you give us any tips? And I said, sure. So I'm going to take my 12-year, 10-year self downstairs out of the children's ministry office and I peeked in this classroom window and you all would not believe this. I peek in the window and I see this four-year-old boy, we're going to call him Roger, with his arms tucked, his legs stiff, and he is rolling around on the floor. The lead teacher is trying to have calendar time with the rest of the class. Roger is bumping into the students. He's rolling all around, and this is what I see the teaching assistant doing. She is trying to guide Roger all around, and she's following after him. Well, when I looked at that classroom and I saw what was going on, I was like, mm-mm, don't feed the monsters. And that just came out of me. Now, mind you, I was not calling Roger a monster. What the monsters are are attitudes and behaviors that don't serve us well. Now, kudos to the teacher's assistant who was traveling around with Roger. What she was actually trying to do is to keep him from bumping his head. Well, the school I come from, little Roger could have just bumped his head and that would have been a natural consequence. Now, I am not a proponent of a child getting hurt. I am an advocate for children being uh, uh, provided safety, care, and nurture when they're in your presence. However, it wasn't as if Roger was just about to jump off the top of a building. There weren't any spikes on the tables. I think if Roger had bumped his head just a little bit, he would have decided, hmm, rolling around on the floor just isn't for me. Now, let's roll back. When I looked into that window and saw him rolling around and I saw the teacher's aide doing her best to get him in control, because he has now uh, manipulated the entire classroom environment. And I said, don't feed the monsters. Well, me saying that then led to me actually developing a workshop called Don't Feed the Monsters. And monsters is ac actually an acronym uh, we'll get to uh, now. Monsters stands for, the M is for manipulation, the O is for offense. So what we're saying when we're saying don't feed the monsters, we're saying don't feed the monster of manipulation, don't feed the monster of offense, don't feed the monster of negativity. Uh, that's the N. The S is for sarcasm. The T stands for tantrums. The uh, E stands for extreme emotions. The R is for retaliation and the H is for stonewalling. Again, I am not calling your children monsters. I know that today is Mother's Day. And what I wanted to do 
is not just give you a nice flowery Mother's Day message. Again, this would be my technically my 10th Mother's Day message, but actually my ninth because we did have a guest speaker one year. And you know, you try to think of creative ways to, to, to come up with things. And so I thought back to where we are as a church. At the beginning of this year, Pastor Ray came up with a sermon series entitled Banner Year. Better decisions, better outcomes. And so when, as I was preparing for my Mother's Day message, I was wanting what I did to tie into that banner year. And so I thought, hey, well, I didn't think it. Pastor Ray actually suggested that I do Don't Feed the Monsters. And I thought that was a great idea. I thought, okay, that would match up with our banner year, better decisions, better outcomes, fewer regrets. If I could give you a couple of nuggets that you could apply to your life immediately as a mom, it may help you. So this is a little bit of a workshop mostly a message, but it is dynamically transferable. You don't even have to be a mom. You can transfer these principles to interpersonal relationships. You can transfer these principles uh, in the workplace. You can transfer these principles however it fits into your life. But we want to warn you, caution you not to feed the monsters. And again, I want to emphasize the fact that Monsters are not people. I'm not saying don't feed the monsters. That I'm not calling a child a monster. I'm not calling moms a monster. What I am saying and what I do want to emphasize is those monsters I'm talking about are untamed emotional outbursts that we see in children sometimes, but what is hard for us to maybe grapple with is sometimes those emotional uh, those untamed emotional outbursts or uh, tantrums, they actually start in us. They start in us with us trying to discipline. They can be in us when we're frustrated, when we're tired. And if you are a mom, you have a gamut of emotions. You can be tired, you can be frustrated, you can be overwhelmed, you can feel lonely, you can feel ill-equipped and sometimes these monstrous emotions rise up in us and we kind of display the emotions and then we see the children with the emotions. That is not always the case, but for the sake of this message, we're gonna stick with don't feed the monsters. Today's message is meant to help us to learn ways to cultivate a, an appropriate level of personal responsibility within our children. And so we never want to be um, the types of moms that want our children to only comply. That should not be the goal because if your goal is just to get them to comply, meaning just do what I say, don't do what I do, that doesn't work because they do what you say possibly in front of you and then when you're not around, they can display other behaviors. Our goals as moms and in rearing our children and bringing them up is to help develop their character. Not just comply, but to help in them develop good character traits where you can trust them to make the wise choice even when you aren't around. 
We must model the behavior that we want to see. So if I don't want my kids yelling in the house, I can't yell. Will you yell as a mom? Yes. Sometimes yelling is necessary and healthy, but we don't always want to be in that type of a mode of communication. There is a natural law, as I'm speaking about, don't feed the monsters, and that natural law is whatever you feed will grow. So whatever you feed will grow. That is the difference between a bulging bicep if you're walking, working out or a growing waistline as a result of the pandemic. <laughs> whatever you feed will grow. So you don't want to feed into bad behaviors in our children. You want to uh, cultivate in them. You want them to see themselves making the right choice again, even when you aren't around. One of the most important goals of motherhood is to wean our children from external controls to independent problem solving or to self-governing. We want to, again, wean them from external controls, do this, do that, telling them what they need to do, and that is appropriate as they start out as small children. But the older they get, we want to wean them from those external controls to then start self-regulating. Uh, an example I have of that in, in my house. And so my children, Nia and Levi, they do not like to be late at all. Even from little children, we never got on them about being late. They never liked that feeling of being the late one coming into the classroom or even just missing out on friend time before school. They don't like to be late. And so each of them have clocks. They both have phones. And so we have taught them this is how you set your alarm. Let me see. I have not had to wake Nia up since probably the fourth grade. There are some times now that she's in high school that she'll be tired and we have to peek in and say, hey, it's a little bit past time. But generally speaking, haven't had to wake her up. That is self-governing. The same thing with Levi. You know, at homeschooled him for three years. Even with homeschool, I never had to wake Levi up. Levi is up probably about 6.30 in the morning. He's either eating fried chicken or waffles or cereal or whatever he wants to eat for breakfast in the morning. I mean, Levi has his own schedule. Well, that's self-governing. I don't have to regulate. You need to be up. Did you make your lunch? Uh, are your things packed for school? I give them reminders. I don't make lunches anymore. I don't make sure they have their things together because we started out when they were small. I wanted to wean them from external controls, and that's just something small. And I'm not bragging on my kids. I'm gonna give a side note. The only reason I'm talking about Nia and Levi is because I know their business. I don't know your child's business, so I would use them for an example. So they're the only kids I have as examples right now. And so that is a, a, a minimal example of being self-regulated. Because if they don't wake up for school on time, guess what? The natural consequence is going to be that they're going to be late. I don't think they're, uh, they are opposed to being late because they don't want to be the ones, the last ones walking in and they don't want to miss out on time with their friends. And so even though that's a minor example, hopefully if you have small children, you can start seeing, oh, okay. If you've got older children, then this week will be a good week to test it out. 
You can go ahead on and get them an alarm clock or tell them to set their phones or whatever they need to do and just help lead them to being more responsible. I have not forgotten about the monsters. I am going to get to that. I'm still setting it up. In 1 Corinthians 6.12, out of the message translation, again, that's 1 Corinthians, the 6th chapter and the 12th verse, it says, just because something is technically legal doesn't mean that it is spiritually appropriate. Now we're leaning over into don't feed the monsters. Again, just because something is technically legal doesn't mean that it is spiritually appropriate. If I went around doing whatever I thought I could get by with, I'd be a slave to my whims. And I picked that scripture to go with our don't feed the monster theme is because depending on what your background exposure has been, you could feel like I'm the mommy, I'm the adult, I can just do whatever I want to do and you just have to deal with it. There is a little bit of truth to that, but look at what the scripture says. As women of God, as mothers that want to do things God's way, let's review the scripture again, 1 Corinthians 6, 12. Just because something is technically legal, or I could paraphrase and say, just because you're the mama, it doesn't mean that it is spiritually appropriate. So there are some things, even in interaction with our children, that are not spiritually appropriate. They may, they may be culturally okay, they may be legally okay, but as spiritual beings following the one true living God, the ones that bear the mark of Christ, there are some things that we just shouldn't do. And it goes on to say, if we went around and did whatever we thought we could get away with, we would be a slave to our carnal flesh, our own desires. And that is what we want to steer away from as we think of don't feed the monsters. Let's look at 1 Corinthians 6.12 in the Passion Translation. It says, it's true that our freedom allows us to do anything, but that doesn't mean that everything we do is good for us. I'm free to do as I choose but I choose never to be enslaved to anything. And that's why we've come up with Don't Feed the Monsters. Simply put, simply put, Don't Feed the Monsters is an encouragement to mothers. Don't be ruled by unhealthy emotions and don't let your children's unhealthy emotions rule you. And that's on Mary Had a Little Lamb. If you know that meme, drop the name of it in the comments. If you don't know what I'm talking about, that might be a good thing. (laughs) All righty. Don't feed the monster. So M, the M, we're here now, manipulation. The dictionary says that manipulation is a type of influence that aims to change a behavior through indirect, deceptive, or underhanded tactics. Now, when I talked earlier about Roger manipulating the room, I don't think he was doing anything deceptive or underhanded. What he was is he was, uh, because he was allowed, his behavior was uh, holding the whole room hostage, holding the serenity of that room in the learning environment hostage. So he was working things out. He knew he shouldn't have been rolling around on that floor, but he was doing it because he thought, I can get away with it. I know from 
all of history, a lot of times women are given a bad rap about using our uh, charm to manipulate situations. And so I want to encourage you as a mother, steer far from that. Steer far from it. Remember, we want to do those things that are spiritually appropriate, the things that will edify and glorify the name of Jesus. So in Don't Feed the Monsters, the number one thing we don't want to feed is we don't want to feed into manipulation. If we go around manipulating situations, we actually unintentionally teach our children to do the same. So you say, what does that have to do with Mother's Day? I'm so glad you asked. Let's go to the Bible. We're going to read Genesis, the 27th chapter. I'm going to start at verse one. Um, it goes down. We can go through the whole chapter. I'm not going to read the whole chapter for time's sake, but we're going to see an example of a mother manipulating a situation that is not beneficial to her, her husband, her children. And so we don't want to feed the monster of manipulation. So Genesis, the 27th chapter, starting at verse one, it says, when Isaac was old, his eyes were so weak that he could no longer see. He called for Esau, his older son, and said to him, my son, here I am, Esau answered. Isaac said, I am now an old man and I don't know the day of my death. Now then, get your equipment, your quiver and bow, and go out to the open country and hunt some wild game for me. Prepare the kind of tasty food I like and bring it to me so that I may give you my blessing before I die. So let me give you some background information before we continue on with verse five. You have these characters in the Bible. You've got Isaac. Isaac is married to Rebecca. Rebecca has a set of twins, Esau and Jacob. So now Isaac, the father is old. He's going blind. He's saying, I don't know the time of my death as the patriarch of the family. He wants to bless his oldest son. Now Esau and Jacob are twins. However, Esau was born first. And the Bible says that Jacob was born second, holding on to Esau's heel. And there was a prophecy that said that uh, when Rebecca was pregnant, said that you have two nations in your womb and they will be at war. So here we see now they're, they're grown men. Uh, Isaac is, is, is getting older. He knows he's getting ready to move on um, in life to the next phase, going into death. And so he speaks to his oldest son in that culture the father would lay hands on the oldest child and bless them. There would be blessings for the younger children, but there was an honor and a command and a greater blessing on the oldest child, naturally because there was a, a more of a responsibility on the older child. Now here's the deal. Esau was like an outdoorsman. He was a hunter. He was rough and tumble. He was what we would call in our culture, a man's man. Jacob, on the other hand, was what we would term as a mama's boy. Jacob liked to be in the house. He liked to talk to his mom and cook and all of that. And there's nothing wrong with that because Jacob married and had kids and all that. But he liked to be at home with his mom. The Bible says that Isaac loved Esau 
and that Rebecca loved Jacob. Mm. As a mom, we want to be very careful of picking our favorites with our children. Though we may not speak it, it can harm them. And we're still talking about manipulation. Let's pick up in Genesis 27, verse 5. It says, now Rebecca was listening as Isaac, her husband, spoke to his son Esau. When Esau left for the open country to hunt game and bring it back, Rebecca said to her son, Jacob, look, I overheard your father say to your brother Esau, bring me some game and prepare me some some tasty food to eat so that I may give you my blessing in the presence of the Lord before I die. Now, my son, Jacob, listen carefully and do what I tell you. Mm-mm. Do not feed the monster of manipulation. Let's keep going. Go out to the flock and bring me two choice young goats so that I can prepare some tasty food for your father just the way he likes it. Then take it to your father to eat so that he may give you his blessing before he dies. So here, Rebecca has her favorite son. She doesn't want to follow the order of things. She doesn't want to follow God's command, the cultural command. She wants to do things her way. She wants to uh, position her favorite son into a posture where he can receive the most. But here's the wisdom. It says, out of the mouths of babes and sucklings, there shall flow wisdom. I think I'm not remixing that scripture. But anyway, wisdom can come from your children. Let's just say it that way. In verse 11 of Genesis 27, it says, Jacob said to Rebekah, his mother, but my brother Esau, he's a hairy man while I have smooth skin. What if my father touches me? I would appear to be tricking him and I would bring down a curse on myself rather than a blessing. You see how God will try to speak to us and get us to turn to the right direction? We have a responsibility whether we choose to do what's right or whether we're just going to plow through and do what we want to do. Well, we're talking about manipulation and guess what happens? Mm-hmm. You guessed it. Rebecca decided I'm going to plow through with my plan. And so it says in verse 13, his mother said to him, my son, let the curse fall on me. Just do what I say. Go and get them for me. You see, as a mother, how she is manipulating a situation for her own desire, her son is still going to be blessed. It's just the culture. Esau was going to receive the first blessing from her from his father, but she's taken things into her own hands. That is a monster in her that doesn't need to be fed. That thing needs to be starved and driven out so it can die. But she's feeding the monster of manipulation. In verse 14, so he, Jacob, went and got them, that's the choice lambs and all the things that she said, and brought them to his mother. And she prepared some tasty food just the way his father liked it. Then Rebekah took the best clothes of Esau, her older son, which she had in the house, and put them on her younger son, Jacob. She also covered his hands and the smooth parts of his neck with goat skin. Then she handed to her son Jacob the tasty food and bread she had made. He went to his father and said, my father, 
Yes, my son, he answered. Who is this? See, even though Isaac couldn't see, he was like, mm, something strange is going on. Jacob said to his father, and this was through the leading of his mother, I am Esau, your firstborn. I have done what you told me. Please sit up and eat some of my game so that you may give me your blessing. Now, you know that this did not turn out well. If you want to hear the rest of that story, go ahead on and finish reading uh, the rest of Genesis 27. So now because of Rebecca's uh, manipulation, she has now led her son into deception and lying. The Bible says a liar is worse than a thief. Do you know when we lie, we are most like Satan? Jesus told the Pharisees, you are just like your father. You're full of lies. He is, Satan is the father of lies. So we don't want to feed the monster of manipulation and cause our children to get into some things that they can really pay a consequence for. The O, don't feed the monster of offense. Offense can be annoyance, anger, exasperation, even resentment. And we don't want to feed the monster of offense in our children this way. Has your child ever come home and said, oh, I'm having so much trouble with so-and-so at school? And then our counsel to our child could be something like this. Well, just don't play with him again. Don't even talk to him. Or if he hits you, you hit him back. We are teaching our children to be offended and we are not teaching them and capitalizing on the opportunity to show them how to use healthy communication. Now, I'm not saying if your child comes home and they're having trouble with a friend at school, that it shouldn't be addressed. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is we don't want to teach our children to be offended. Naturally, as a mother, when my children come home and say that they're having problems, I'm asking a lot of questions because I'm getting a little bit in my feelings because I love my babies. I'm first of all checking, well, what did you do? So I want to check and make sure that we could talk about that first in order for it to be a teachable moment for my own children. Because I love my children, they are wonderful, but none of us are perfect. We have to be taught these types of skills. And so we don't wanna teach our children early to be offended at whether it's teachers or their peers. We want to teach our children how to communicate, how to set healthy boundaries. So I'm gonna use Levi for an example. He had a friend, we're just gonna call this friend Billy. So Levi's known Billy for all of his school career from kindergarten. Levi comes home, they're now in the fifth grade. Levi comes home and says, oh, Billy is kind of teasing me on the playground when we're you know, racing or something. Billy is like, oh yeah, right, Levi, like you've ever won a race, or oh yeah, right, like you can ever play football, or whatever Billy is saying. He's saying some negative things, and so, Pastor Ray and I asked him, well, what did you say? And he says, well, I didn't say anything. I just tried to ignore him because I didn't want to get into a fight. And I said, well, you don't have to fight. The next time Billy comes talking trash, excuse me, <laughs> church folks, the next time Billy comes, then you can say, Billy, what have I done to you? Why are you talking like that to me? This is just fifth grade recess. And so he was like, okay. And I said, no, practice it. 
practice. Say, Billy, why are you coming to me like that, man? We just trying to play. This is his fifth grade recess. So we actually had him to practice it because guess what? Just like I love Levi, Billy's mother loves him. And because I know Billy and his family, I love him too. And because I love Jesus, that calls me to love him even if I didn't know him. So I don't want to teach Levi to be offended. I want to teach Levi early at 11 years old how to communicate, how to address the situation. Billy, what's going on? Guess what? The situation did happen again. Levi did use his words and was like, hey, man, why are you always talking to me crazy like that? Or whatever Levi said. You know what Levi told me? He said that after recess, one-on-one, -on -one, Billy came up to him and said, you know what, Levi, I'm sorry. And so I wasn't trying to elicit an apology, but I was so proud that Levi felt confident enough to use his words. And because they play sports and they are fifth grade boys, that's, whole, that's a whole part of being a fifth grade boy is you just talk trash. Trash is good sometimes, talking and having fun. But sometimes it can be hurtful. Sometimes the words can be embarrassing. And so we don't want to feed the, the, the monster of offense in our children. We want to teach them to communicate, to set healthy boundaries, to use their words in a healthy way. The next one, we don't want to feed the monster of negativity in our children. Negativity is the expression of criticism or pessimism. And so I saw this, this was years and years and years and years ago before we were City Church. Uh, there was something that I perceived as negativity. So we were, uh, it was before church service. We had our servant leaders there all gathered uh, for our pre-service huddle. And because our teenagers also help with set up and tear down, we had a lot of the teens there. They're there early, you know, to not only help with set up and tear down, but also to just fellowship with their friends before they go to youth service. And so one of the young ladies was so excited. So we, before we started the huddle, she was like, guess what, Pastor Wendy? I made the wrestling team. And I've never known a female wrestler. And I was like, oh. Oh, high five, girl power, way to go. How do you like it? And she said she liked it good and she liked that she, it was good. She liked everything about wrestling. Well, one of our team boys was on the wrestling team at his school. And so as we're celebrating this, he's like, oh yeah, I'm on the wrestling team at this school. And the father to the team boy said, oh yeah, she could probably take you down. She probably stronger than you. She probably can wrestle better than you. And I almost wanted to cry. I know that's a bit dramatic, but I'm a mother. And I thought, oh, that was so negative. And even though the father was just teasing, number one, I think that that could have been embarrassing for the child. Even though we do something in jest as a parent, and especially as mothers, we don't want to feed negativity in our children. We can just think we're joking, but are our words, are they life-giving or could they cause some harm? And so even as, as a mom, if you've got daughters, there's a way to tell them, hey, what about doing your hair this way? Or, hey, would you prefer to wear this particular outfit? 
as opposed to saying, look at you, you just look any old kind of way. You're not no child of mine. There are certain things that we can say to our children unintentionally that are negative and we don't wanna do that. So don't feed the monster of negativity. Here's another one that is a cousin, a first cousin to negativity. Don't feed the monster of sarcasm. That is the use of irony to mock or to convey contempt or to ridicule. Listen at what Ephesians 4.29 says. Don't let foul or abusive language, don't use foul or abusive language. Let everything you say be good and helpful so that your words will be an encouragement to those who hear them. That doesn't mean that every time you talk to your children, it has to be flower and roses. But there is a way that we can talk to them that is devoid of sarcasm and, and spewing out contempt. We can just lift our eyebrows and say, mm-mm, that's not going to work today. Sarcasm, when we feed the monster of sarcasm in us, then we are actually passing that down to our children. And then if they are sarcastic back to us, then we might want to drop kick them or do something. I don't condone abuse, but I'm just thinking, you know, sarcasm is not, I don't like sarcasm. Some people like it and they thrive off of it. I feel like my feelings get hurt way too easy. And so I have really worked with my children. No, nope, that's not how you talk. There's a way that you can talk with your friends, even with them being sarcastic to one another. I say, we're Harmons. We don't carry on like that. I let them be brother and sister and have their banter and their little tiffs, but there are some things that spill over into words that are not encouraging and they are not uplifting to the person that hears them. The T in monsters, do not feed the monster of tantrums. Tantrums are uncontrolled outbursts of anger or frustration. Now, our children can have tantrums, but guess what, moms? We can too. We can say, I keep telling you to do these dishes. How many times do I got to tell you to clean up your room? Didn't I tell you? And we can kind of uh, model that behavior that we don't want to see in them. I'll tell you a story. When Nia was really, she was probably about two years old, she decided, I, I don't know what I did. I was home cooking. Pastor Ray wasn't home from work yet. And she just fell out in the living room floor. We were in this little small two-bedroom apartment. And she decided she's going to have a tantrum. Let me tell you what, Converge Nation. I just politely walked over her little two-year-old body, and I made sure my big toe just grazed her belly. And I went in the kitchen, and I kept cooking. I wasn't going to feed that monster. Because if I would have given into that tantrum, guess what that little two-year-old mind would have connected? Oh, if I fall out, then I'm going to get mommy's attention. Mm-mm. I didn't want to go to jail that particular day. So guess what? I took my cell phone in the kitchen, and, and Nia came to me, and then I said, oh, baby, what do you want? When she came and she used her words. So it happened again. I don't know, it was some time, it could have been weeks or months down where she wanted something, I didn't give it to her, and she fell out. Guess what, I did the same thing. I, this time she was on her belly, so I just made sure my big toe just grazed her little behind. And I walked on and I went into another room. And guess what, she got up and she came to me, mommy, such and such and such, and I'm like, oh yes. 
But in the midst, both times, because I come from uh, the Word of Faith movement, I come from Rainbow Bible Training Center, one thing that Brother Hagen always taught us is to watch our words and to speak life. So the first time she had a tantrum, I don't know where the words came from, but I said it. I pointed to her and I said, oh God, I thank you that Nia has a calm and gentle spirit and great is her peace. Then I went in the kitchen. The next time she fell out and had a tantrum, I did the same thing. Oh God, I thank you that Nia has a calm and gentle spirit and great is her peace. I spoke life and I went on about my business. She didn't know what I was saying. I don't know where it came from, but I spoke life into that situation. And do you know what? Never again, and Nia is 17 now, She's never fallen out or had a tantrum because I did not feed that monster. And so this is just an encouragement. I have not been a perfect mother. I am not a perfect mother, but there are some things that I learned along the way. I was a school teacher 10 years before I ever even had Nia. So there were some skills that I was taught how uh, how to handle children in the classroom that I was able to transfer into motherhood. And so I did not feed the, the, the monster of tantrums. Be intentional. Speak life with authority. When I was speaking, that wasn't for Nia to hear. I was making that confession as a mom who trusts in the almighty God. Oh God, I speak over this thing because I don't really even want to deal with it. You know what? I found that trusting God and doing things his way, it just has made my life so much easier. That's just what has been my experience, and I want to pass that on to you. So speak life, speak intentionally with authority. If your child is prone to tantrums, say, when you want to use your words, I will listen. And you can go in the other room. Now, you don't want to leave them where they're going to hurt themselves. Don't follow behind them like Roger's teacher did. But you can, sometimes there are natural consequences. You know how to get your child to safety. If they're in a place where they're going to hurt themselves, you can set them in a place where they've got enough room to fall out. And you just tell them when you're ready to use your words, mommy will listen. If they aren't speaking and they can't talk, you just tell them. This is unacceptable and you do a time in. You don't leave them if they're not uh, talkers yet. No, you just tell them no. When they calm down, then you love on them. Oh, I love you. When they start wilding out, you just hold them firmly. No. So there are ways we can communicate with them, but do not feed the monster of tantrums. Proverbs 16.32 says, he who is slow to anger is better and more honorable than the mighty soldier. And he who rules and controls his own spirit, he is better than one who captures a city. So you want to teach your children not to comply because you're embarrassed that they're having a tantrum or you're frustrated. You want them to be slow to anger and frustration, and you want to teach them to control their own spirit. Proverbs 25, 28 says in the New Living Translation, a person without self-control is like a city with broken down walls. So as a mom, I can't tell Nia you know, uh, or leave, I don't have a tantrum. And then I'm just yelling and screaming all over the house. I have had my moments where I've been frustrated, but I have been more consistent in, this is how we do things around here. The E in monsters, do not feed the monster of your ego. 
just because you are the boss. An ego is a self-inflated importance. It doesn't mean healthy self-esteem. It means uh, inflated self-importance. And that is, don't feed the ego of do what I do. No, do what I say, not what I do. You don't want to do, you don't want to lead like that with your children. Because they will then, um, they can have the tendency to bully other siblings or bully other children at school. So you don't want to feed the monster of your own ego and project that out on your children. Do what I say, not what I do. It doesn't work that way. R in monsters, retaliation. Do not feed the monster of retaliation. We don't ever want to teach our children, ooh, this is how you can get them back or this is how you pay them back. Mm -mm. That's a monster. And once it starts growing, it is, it is, it's, 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 it's not a good thing. We don't want to teach our children to retaliate or get somebody back. We want to, again, teach them, use your words, teach them that confrontation and conflict is healthy. If somebody does something to them and they can be, they can safely confront it, say, hey, I didn't like when you did that. I don't, I don't, I don't like that. We don't want to teach them, oh, when you go back to school, you just set a little tack in his chair or something. Let me not give anybody <laughs> ideas. You don't want to feed the monster of retaliation. And the final S to monsters. Um, oh, for retaliation, let me go back. For retaliation, 1 Thessalonians, the fifth chapter and the 15th verse says that, says this. See that no one repays anyone evil for evil, but always seek to do good to one another and to everyone. So we don't want to feed the monster of retaliation ever. Again, 1 Thessalonians 5, 15 says, see that no one repays anyone evil for evil, but always seek to do good to one another and to everyone. And the final S in Don't Feed the Monsters is stonewalling. Do not feed the monsters of stonewalling in your children. That is the silent treatment. Sometimes if a children um, just naturally, because we're born with a sinful nature, if they wanna, hmm, and they wanna give somebody, you know, the silent treat or stonewall, we'll just say, Oh, that's just how they are. She's just a strong-willed child. Mm-mm, that's not good. Don't feed the monster of stonewalling. Teach your child to use their words. For instance, if you've got an overbearing auntie that says, come in, let me give you some sugar, baby, and your child does not want to be hugged or kissed, that's okay. But instead of the child being rude and saying, hmm, and stonewalling or turning their shoulder away, teach the child, say, no, thank you. And you as the parent say, oh, I don't make her hug. If she doesn't want to hug, she can come and shake your hand or do something, give you a high five. We, want to very, we really want to be careful of forcing our children um, in physical interaction where they're not comfortable. If they don't want to hug a family member or something, that's okay. But you can still teach your child to not stonewall or give the silent treatment or be rude or give a cold shoulder. They can still use their words and say, hi, auntie so-and-so, no thank you, and give them a wave and go to play. And you can say, you defend your child. I've taught them that they don't have to hug and all of this, especially in our culture today. 
So those are don't feed the monsters, our acronym. We can uh, model these things to our children. We can teach these things with our children. We can um, teach our children to confront situations. And as moms, I also want to encourage you, resist uh, the temptation to get into power struggles with the children. And a power struggle is kind of like tug of rope. A tug of war. I pull the rope, they pull the rope. You pull the rope. You don't have to be in a tug of war with your children in a power struggle. Guess what, sis? You the mama. It's okay. You can say what you mean and mean what you say. My grandmother, bless her soul, she's with Jesus now. Mary Rosa Huff, Miss Huff, had a reputation. She was a fourth grade teacher in our hometown of Ypsilanti, Michigan at Ford Elementary School. And I'm telling you, my grandmother had a reputation of being mean. People would say, because my, my name was Wendy Huff, so people would say, oh, is Miss Huff your grandmama? Yes, she's my grandmother. She's so mean. And so I told my grandmother one day, Granny, when I go to school, when I'm playing, they say, is Miss Huff your grandmama? She's so mean. You know what my grandmother said? She said, that's right. I mean exactly what I say. <laughs> and I thought, I like that. So you can mean what you say and say what you mean. If your kids call you mean, just tell them, that's right, I mean exactly what I say. You are, as long as you know that you are not being mean and you are not feeding any of the monsters that I shared with you today. Be consistent with positive reinforcement and with consequences. There are some times that our children will make choices and there is a consequence to that choice. And so whether that be, you know, their screen time can be limited. Um, they can uh, maybe receive a spanking. The Proverbs 13, 24 says, he who withholds the rod of discipline hates his son, but he who loves him and trains him or her diligently and appropriately with wisdom and love. And so there are going to be consequences as we are leading our children to develop healthy, honorable character. Uh, if you aren't feeding the monsters, you might ask me, what can I do? If I'm not feeding the monsters, if I'm not doing all this, what am I supposed to do? Well, I'm going to pass this on to you. Brace yourself. In any situation that arises... This is what you do when you brace yourself. Number one, just assess the situation. Just see, okay, what's going on? Don't be emotionally reactive. Assess the situation quickly. Number two, decide, is this an emergency? Embracing yourself, that means that you're in control. Remember, we don't want to get into power struggles. You are the mommy. Assess the situation and ask yourself, is this an emergency? And depending on that answer, you can say, do I need to address this right now? If a child has jumped off of something high and they hurt themselves, that isn't a time when we say, oh, well, that's just a natural consequence. No, they need some attention. They might need some medical attention. That is an emergency. But if they're just mad about something and they want to storm off, sometimes you could just let them storm off. You could just put a whooping on layaway. <laughs> <laughs> if you whoop. But you don't have to address it right then. Give yourself time to calm down and think about what your response is going to be. 
So you don't have to be mad. You don't have to yell and scream. You don't have to show them, I'm your mama. You're not going to treat me that way. Mm-mm. Let them go on and just come up with something. Not in, in, in retaliation or anything that's evil, but you could think, okay, they want to go to this such and such, or they want to watch this, or they want me to buy them this. Hmm. There's going to be a consequence for their behavior. So when you brace yourself, you assess a situation, decide if it is an emergency, and decide, do I need to address this right now? Sometimes you can wait till later. Even if your kids come and ask you, oh, can I go to Billy's house right now? And Billy's standing right there. You got, we've already taught our kids, don't back us in a corner like that. So if the little boys from across the street, Marshall, oh, I love Marshall, Marshall, come over. Can Levi play or can he come to our house? I might need to talk with Pastor Ray or Levi might need to finish his homework. And I'll say, give me five or 10 minutes and we'll let you know. If Levi comes over in five minutes, it's fine. If not, he's got something else to do. So you don't actually have to always answer the situation right then. Don't feed the monsters is a plan of action that I wanted to, to share with you. I hope that it is helpful. Um, I hope you have a fantastic Mother's Day wherever you find yourself. Even if you're not a mother, I hope you just have a fantastic day. I hope that you just can enjoy your day and you can feel empowered and equipped if you are a mom to do things a little differently as you start off the week. As I close, let us pray. Dear Lord Jesus, we just thank you for this day. Lord, I thank you for all of the moms out there. Lord, I ask that you would give us the wisdom, the strength, the courage, and uh, just the encouragement to be the mom you have ordained us to be. Not be the mom like the lady down the street or not be the mom that we've seen on TV, but Lord, make us the mom that is uniquely fit for the children you've given us. Lord, when we've messed up, forgive us. When we've known not to do, when we've known what not to do, when we don't know what to do, Lord, we ask that you just help us, you be our strength, and Lord, we ask that you cover our children. Wherever you find them, whether it's at school, if they're school age, if they're an adult and they're making great choices, if they're an adult and they're making unwise choices, Lord, be with our children. They are gifts from you. And Lord, we just thank you that we will see how you have made us a gift to them. We love you so much, Jesus. We thank you for this time. It is in your precious name that we pray. Amen. Again, happy Mother's Day. I love you, and we will see you next week. Bye-bye. If you were impacted by today's message, we would love to hear from you. Maybe today's sermon was exactly what you needed to hear, or you prayed the prayer of salvation for the first time. If so, we would love to send you some information to help you kickstart your relationship with God. Or if you want more information on how to join our virtual family, email us at info at weareconverged.com. If you would like to partner with us financially, you can do so online safely and securely at www.weareconverged.com slash give. You can also text 77977, type in Converge Give and the dollar amount. You can also find all of this information on our mobile app. Simply open your app or Play Store, search Converge Church Plano and download the app. It's that easy. 
Thank you again for joining us for today's worship experience. We look forward to staying connected with you.